You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This is Judy Gold, and you're listening to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I'm the host, and it's 2022. Happy New Year. Looking like it's going to be a great year again. (laughs) Anyway, I hope you enjoy our uh, guest this week, Corey Forrester, who is my soulmate I never knew I had. Also, if you live in Indianapolis, please, on January 15th, I will be in Carmel, Indiana, at Feinstein's. It's at a hotel, and I'll have more info at the end of the show. But enjoy. I love this guy. And Happy New Year. Welcome to Kill Me Now. I am so excited. You know, here's the deal about our guest. We could not have had more opposite upbringings. And yet, more than most people I know... We are a kindred spirit. I fucking love this guy. I love this guy. I'm like madly in love. I often say it on the internet. He's straight. He's from the South. I mean, he's a wrestler. I fucking love him. I love him on so many levels. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure and honor. And I am so excited that Corey Ryan Forrester is our guest today. Woo! Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Judy. And, and if I may say, as someone who I'm one of those uh, rare broken people who knew that I wanted to go into comedy when I was five years old. And because of that, I've been watching comedy my entire life. And you have just, you've been, you've just been there in my life. My, oh. like literally my whole life, like, watching comedy central. My buddy was my buddy, Rob, when I told him that I was doing your podcast today, he literally lost his shit because like, you and there's this core group of comedian that when I was, you know, in, in high school watching the premium blends and then all the roast right. stuff, y'all were just always, y'all were just always there. Uh, and so I'm like, I'm, I'm a little starstruck right now. I'm so excited. Oh my God, Corey. Thank you. I, you know, it's funny because I, yeah, when Comedy Central came out, I was one of those, you know, it was me and Colin and, yeah. you know, Patrice and um, uh, Greg. Uh, Geraldo. I mean, there were a bunch yeah, of Jim us. Norton, all those, Norton, yeah, everybody, yeah. like everybody in that guys. tough crowd circuit was just my idols. And yet I'm too old for comedy central now. So, um, <laughs> I've been told, and I think yet, I am too, for the record. Oh, please. I, if I, you know, any woman who's gotten her period is too old for comedy central. <laughs> Corey, you have such an interesting life and I try to really do a lot of research on people. You're not easy, but whatever. I wish Um, there was more out there. (laughs) But I did find some really interesting stuff. Uh, Your father is Dale. Yep. Your mother's Laura. That's true. Your sister's uh, Kirby. Nailing it. And she's married uh, to Lloyd. Holy God, it's all out there, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
Like, okay, before we start, I just want to say I find your parents really interesting because I found this article. Wait, let me just open it. Oh, um, this is great. I love what you're doing right now. The oldest house in Chickamauga. Is that how you say Chicka it? Chickamauga, yeah. It's the oldest residential house in Chickamauga, yeah. So you're from Chickamauga, mm -hmm. uh, which is in Georgia, northern Georgia. You're right mm -hmm. by Alabama and Tennessee. Yep, I can um, be in Tennessee in 12 minutes and Alabama in 30 minutes. So it depends on, um, I think you have a joke about that, don't you? Depends uh, on who you hate more. Um, maybe if I, sometimes people always are like, oh, I love that joke that you did about what? And I'm like, wait, what are you talking about? And it'll just be one of those things that I just said and don't remember saying. <laughs> so very possible. Yeah. I have still people coming up to me on the street going, it's Judy show. <laughs> um, so, all right. So you're born in this small town, which mm. by the way, had the deadliest battle in the civil war. Is that correct? Or second, one of them? Second, second deadliest, deadliest battle. Yeah. The battle of Chickamauga. Yep. That yep. is correct. And they lost like, what is it, thirty like five thousand people almost? Yeah, it, it's something. It's it's up there. Uh, as as often as I say to people, where I'm from was the second deadliest battle in the entire Civil War. I actually don't have the number off the top of my head, which sucks because I I had like a twelve minute bit about the whole thing at one point. But you know, facts don't let those get in the way. Yeah, of a good it bit. was like eighteen thousand on one yeah. side and sixteen thousand yeah. plus on another side. Uh, but you guys won. I mean, you know, your people. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> your parents bought this fucking house. God damn with the fucking house. Uh, and they were on Home and Gardens if walls could talk. That is true. And I have a pretty funny story about that. Oh, good. So at the, I was, I believe, 15 or 16 years old at that time. Yeah, they were on an episode of Walls Could Talk. I had just started doing stand up because I'd wanted to I had wanted to do some form of comedy since I was five years old. Now at five, I didn't know what the word stand up comedian meant. I just knew comedy. Like to me, Chris Farley and Jerry Seinfeld were the same thing. Like I didn't know the right, difference. Right. You didn't know there was, yeah. and you used to, you used to with your father watch, uh, Leno. Well, first Carson and yeah. Leno and just, yeah. yeah. And I just knew whatever all these dudes that make my dad laugh, whatever it is they do, that's what I want to do. So I'd like my whole life, that's all I wanted to do. And then I'm 16, I start doing stand up. And then all of a sudden, HGTV is coming to our house to film. And in my little brain, I'm just like, there's cameras here. I'm going right. to shine, you know? Well, they do this whole thing on my mom and dad. They end up doing this whole thing on my sister. And at one point, they had me crawl under the cellar. And they did this like, you're not going to believe this, but reality TV is bullshit. Bullshit! So, they, had, they had me crawl under the house to like recreate us finding this coffee can full of money that they claimed in the show, like help the Forsters re, uh, pay for some of the uh, work on their house. It was like $100. And right. so... And so they they filmed me going in there and recreating, and I'm in there, and I'm like army crawling. I'm like, this is going to be so fucking cool. I'm going to look awesome. I'm going to be on TV. All my friends are going to see me on TV. Uh, they showed the back of my head. I was the only one in the family that didn't make it no on the episode. fucking and, and, way. And I'm sitting there like, I'm the one that wants to be on TV. And right. they cut me the fuck out. Like, it was so – it was my first experience of getting bumped in show business. That is fucking hilarious. Well, the, <laughs> but the house – the house is full of history, right? Yeah. It's just. Yeah. It's, um, uh, so it's, it's, it's called the Tom Lee house and Tom right. Lee was Gordon Lee's brother and Gordon Lee founded the school that I went to uh, high school as it was also uh, a little more background. It was my, when my mom was a kid, she grew up in like just tremendous poverty. Like they didn't have shit. They had nothing. 
And uh, when they would drive, or sometimes their big like vacation was literally just driving around. They would just look at things, oh, you know. God. And so she'd always seen that house and was like, one day, one day, you know. And right. uh, and my dad, all not a completely similar background to my mom, but he, he grew up, you know, that his dad was in construction and they had food on the table and everything was good. Right. And uh, then he, but my dad's a very, very smart as a whip feller, uh, writer, advertiser, yada, yada. Yeah. And once he kind of got it together and realized, oh my God, I'm doing really well. I think I can get her that, that, that house. Oh, he and bought he, it for her? And he, yeah, and he bought it for her. So <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was like his first, that was like his first, that was his only big. really big thing he's ever done. Cause like, that was pretty much it. Like, I, I mean, I was, I was born in a duplex and my mom was supporting my dad because he had wanted, he went out on his own and started his own business, was making no money. My mom was a nurse and she was like, I don't care, baby. I'll take care of you. I believe right. in you. Uh, and he, he, he finally got his shit together and he was like, my God, I'm buying her, her house. So he spent it all in the house. That and that's is like <laughs> true love. Yeah. He's a G. They, they sound like they are so in love. Are they still in love? I mean, no, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, but they, but they're still married, which is right. Something. Right. It's work. <laughs> it's fucking work. It's work. They're a great um, partnership. So your father is a storyteller and writer. He's, he's he's in advertising. He has his own advertising agency. Uh, he has, you know, at this point he's kind of semi-retired. He only has a couple accounts and they're basically all his buddies who have businesses that he, you know, just takes care of their well, advertising. What, and what stuff. kind of advertising? What, what did he do before? Like, did he have like uh, a before he, he handled, uh, the Hardee's in like the Southeast, wow. like not, not like all of like, not nationwide Hardee's, right, but right, like, right. You know, was, a, a large portion of them in the southeast. And then we live close to Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is not a big city, but it is our big city. Right. And uh, he did advertising for uh, a couple businesses there. The the barn nursery. That's his big like people still uh, people around here don't know that they know my dad's work because they I hear people say his jingles all the time. Oh, that's um, so great. Yeah. yeah they're uh, like bar the barn nursery is we've got uh, it's like it's springtime. Go play in the yard. We've got ferns coming in trailer load after trailer. Trailer load after trailer load. And people use that as a joke all the time and stuff. And they have no idea that like my dad. Made That's that so great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. And your mom was a nurse. Mm -hmm. uh, and is your your sister's older than you? Sister's uh, two years younger than me. Ah, fuck. Yeah. Fuck, I couldn't figure it out. You she, she, I mean, she seems older than me. Right. 34. <laughs> You're a baby. You're a fucking I baby. I know. Um, <laughs> So when you were in second grade, now, first of all, can you explain to my listeners what it's like, first of all, as a Jew who grew up in the tri-state area, oh, sorry, that's the Jew bell, as a Jew who grew up in the, the tri-state area. That's what area. we do down here when we see one. You do? Oh, that's great. Okay. It's probably rusty. All right, so... The German accent gives me the creeps. Yeah. And the Southern accent scared me a, a little. And still kind of does. I get it. Um, so wh what was it like? First of all, I'm assuming there were no Jews around you. Uh, I mean, not that I know of, you right. know. I, well, you would have known, Corey. I, well, I don't know because it's so funny. What, so like. The last time I was at, so I did the, uh, when we wrote our first book, uh, I did the view and the view puts you up at the La Parker Meridian in, yeah. in New York. And so our publishers, Simon and Schuster, who I'm out of contract with now, so I can say this, uh, they were like, they put us up at the La Parker Meridian and they were just like, whatever you guys want, 
It's on the house. Like you don't even have to pay for incidentals. You guys just drink up at the hotel, do whatever. So what did we do? We called every New York comic that we were buddies with who were open micers. And we're like, hey, y'all can come drink on our tab at the La Parker. No way. So we get everybody there. And of course, it's my collective of New York comic friends. So there's some Jewish people. There's some Italian people, yada, yada, yada. And my mom and my Aunt Beth, I had flown them out to be there to meet, you know, Whoopi and everything. It was a fun time. And this is one of those situations of the Southern accent sounding bad, but the thing the person was saying did wasn't in, uh, she didn't intend on it being bad. Right. She just said a thing, but because of her accent, it seems weird. Right. Well, we're sitting there and uh, my Aunt Beth, as loud as she could over when I uh, introduced her to one of my friends, she's had a little uh, couple drinks and she goes, oh my God, do y'all remember when we saw that Jew at the Pizza Hut in Alabama? And... What she meant by that was she, <laughs> oh <my laughs> she, God. She, did, she didn't mean and it was horrible. It's right. just that that's how few there were that it's right. a it's a it's a flashbulb memory in her mind of like one time I saw a Jewish person at a right. pizza hut in Alabama because like like I said, no, that not a not a very dense population. And it was just again one of those things where I'm looking around going like, gosh, she literally just means she saw one, and that's just how she sounds. I promise everything's okay. That's Don't worry so funny about it. because a Jew eating a pizza hut when there's so much better pizza. There wasn't at this part of Alabama though. I'll tell you that much. Um, So did everyone freak out or were you like, no, well, I mean, it was a group of, it was a group of comics. So they laughed their ass off. You know what I mean? Like it was just really, really, really funny. Uh, Yeah. Um, So you grew up now. Did you have any black friends growing up? They were my cousins. Yeah. All of, all of my cousins that I know are black. Who, what, my, uh, because, because let me, let me explain it to you. I love this. My, all of my cousins are black because my aunt, uh, this is, this is me quoting people in my purview, not me. My cousins are black because my aunt made a mistake. You understand what I'm saying? You know what I mean? She married a black guy. Oh, I didn't marry him, but like that, but she had kids by, by a black guy. And I remember when I was a kid and by the way, this is not my parents saying this. My parents are awesome people. But right. I just remember hearing like, yeah, you know, Corey's aunt made a mistake. And it's like they but so, yeah, my cut. But like, I'm not certain. Maybe maybe to defend them a little bit. Maybe they just meant out of wedlock because they were all very, very Christian. You know right. what I'm saying? But like, right. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, my my cousins were black. We didn't we only had one black girl that went to our school. Uh, like so there wasn't really an option. And like they don't live like there wasn't a lot of black people in my city. Now, like in the right. surrounding area. There were, but Chickamauga itself, very, very, very white, uh, you know? So no, not like I said, that my cousins who I saw at all holidays and, and things, but not, no. But no one, when you were growing up, no one said, did I, you know, racist shit or. Um, it's one of those things where like, you know how in you your, can. In your immediate fa- like were they. Um, not my immediate family. No, yeah. my, my, my parents, like, even though they are conservative people now i know that that like my dad to me has always been the reason that i grew up to be like more of a left-leaning person because of just how and it stuck out like when you live in the south you know like dad was all dad's always the dude who was like giving you know a 50 dollar bill to a homeless guy just because he's like son you don't know he might need it more than i do and blah. blah. Right, whereas right. like a lot of people around here are like dude give, that's that's just so they, they get you 50 dollars now they won't have to work blah 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 and like oh, my dad yeah 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 and my dad was like you know we we did have uh black kids when I, I say i didn't have any black friends i didn't at school but like on my ball teams because of the surrounding <laughs> area black kids would be in our rec league so i did have right. like kids that i played ball with and like 
you know, sometimes they come from underprivileged families and my dad was always going to pick them up. Like dad, you know, dad just picked everybody up. He paid for everybody's uniforms. He didn't make the kids like no kids had to like pay. And now granted it was, my dad was doing uh, really well, but like he was just such a, but there's plenty of people who do well, who don't do that. For sure. That's, that's true. But like dad was always such an inspiration. Like he was just like, you know, these kids, they don't, they don't have it like we do. And I'm not making them pay for their uniform. If they want to play ball and if their parents can't get them here, I'm taking them and blah, blah, blah. So like, and about the whole racist thing, when I was a kid, it's to me, did I hear racist things when I was a kid growing up in the South? It's kind of like how, you know, how technically you can always see your nose, but since you can always see it, your brain tunes it out. Right. I don't remember anything because that, you know, I, I don't remember anything specifically. I do, though. I have a couple examples of like when it. Okay, when I, I, do, I d- could. And in- I need to interject. You please. did mention a nose. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Go um, ahead. Um, so like when I got older and I started becoming more aware of like like. When I was a kid, obviously, I don't know what racist things are to say. I was just trying to play Power Rangers and watch sports. You know, I didn't know anything. Um, the reason that we ended up leaving the church that we were at um, right after 9-11 happened. So I'm in eighth grade. All right. I'm in eighth grade. 9-11 happens. And we're at church. And uh, we, my cousins are with me, uh, with my whole family. And the, the pastor was up and he had some sort of PowerPoint uh, that he was showing. And it was about uh, 9-11 and how it was affected, the after effects were affecting everybody, including children. And there was this woman that was up and she was speaking. And I don't remember what her name was. I do remember that she was a professor. It was a black lady who was a professor that just, I remember that part of it. She says something, yada, yada, yada. And the preacher turns the, the screen off and he looks at the congregation and he goes, now that woman, even though she was black, I agree with everything she says. He said that like, and that's like the first time it like, I, I, I hurt like oh. I was and my and my mom and dad turned or looked at us. My other my cousins weren't paying attention. They're a little bit younger than me. Thank God. You know. Yeah. And they looked at us and they go, get your stuff. We're out of here. We're leaving. Um, and so then I kind of did start. And noticing you all walked things. out. Yeah. And we didn't ever, we never went there again. And that was my childhood church, you know. Um, and, and I started noticing things like that a little bit more as I got older. But like most stuff was sincerely, sincerely just. Yeah, there was probably jokes and some ignorance, but I don't remember anybody saying anything hateful. And that's probably because nobody had ever actually really been around black kids except for like playing sports and stuff. You know what right. I mean? And my but also, was, you learn that shit in your house. You like, do. You do. You, you know, do. You, yeah. you watching TV or like, you know, hearing you know, news stories and hearing yeah. your parents' response to those things, you know? For sure, for sure. And I, and I mean this when I say it because people always ask me about, you know, like, oh, you know, this, oh, the Trump thing that, how, you know, how'd you not see it coming? I was like, well, I, well, Hey, I did like when we first, I called that shit. But when I was a kid, it was my place where I live was so apolitical. No, nobody ever talked about who they were voting for. Nobody right. Same. like nobody at all. You right. know, but nobody was it, gave no it, one. Yeah. They, no one knew if you were a Republican or uh-uh. a Democrat, no, no idea. One put signs on their fucking no. lawns. Hell no. Na- you know? ma- matter of fact, where I'm from in the South, like you coming from, Areas where like NAFTA had, uh, you know, taken some factories away. They everybody around here had a pretty much fuck them all kind of right. idea. You know what I mean? Right. And so, but it wasn't until Obama ran against McCain that all of a sudden everybody starts being real political. And gee right. golly, what could that be about? You know right. what I mean? But I'm serious. I was like, I, I'm not lying. When I was a kid, like I remember, I remember the Bob Dole rest in peace uh, uh, at Bill Clinton debates, and not it was not. 
my I remember my dad being like, ah, I could see, okay, I could see that. And that, you know what I mean? Like, right, right. It was like that. And respectful of one another. Yeah, they for didn't sure. interrupt each other and they followed the fucking rules. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. When you went to school, were you, uh, how, first of all, was it a tiny little school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I graduated, uh, I graduated with like 82 people or something. Wow. So everyone yeah. knew each other. It's oh, yeah. Small Southern, yeah. like fairy tale sort of. Yeah, pretty much. Was there any crime in your town? Um, I mean, like, there, yes, but not violent crime. I and mean, we were all we were all on pills, you know, like all of us, like because that was, you know, the the Purdue Pharmaceuticals and Oxycontin, yeah. uh, they that had just kind of started in the 90s. And so by the time I got in high school, it had really spread everywhere. And it was also in that little, I say sweet spot, very ironically, that sweet spot of uh, they were all readily available, but there wasn't a lot of bad information out yet about them. Like at this point, everyone still thought that oh these are just miracle drugs that help you like i like 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 i i'm where i'm doing a bit right now and it's like we did my our mammals did not know that oxycontin could kill you they just be like well honey this is just a tylenol that goes hard that's how everyone felt like it was just oh look and like everyone's uncle took it because right. his back was hurting and that's the only way that he could go to work and so 
we were all as kids able to get a hold of them through the medicine cabinets and shit. And we all got on them and we were all just having a great time. And the narrative I remember from older people was like, yeah, you can get fucked up and not be hung over. And then OD, 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 car wreck, car wreck, OD. No OD. way. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I buried three friends within like two months. How old were you? Uh, at that, when that happened, I was 18, I think. Um, and I had kind of already given up on them because I just saw, I kind of just saw what they were doing to people when I was in high school. Like I got in trouble when I was 15, uh, for doing, I got kicked off the football team and suspended and everything for doing pills. And, uh, and then I would just occasionally do them because, you know, you know, you know how it goes. You got a buddy, he robs pharmacies. So you've always got pills. You know how that goes. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, we've all been there. And so, yeah, I would experiment. No, actually, it. as a Jew, we have a buddy who's the pharmacist ding, and ding, owns ding. the pharmacy <laughs> right? and makes the pills and writes the prescriptions. OK, the doctor. OK, yeah, yeah go ahead. So so uh, I had started I never had like I'm 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 like a very um, uh, what's the word? Um, I'm, I don't have an addictive personality, but I have a. Um, I'm a bingey type dude. Yeah, nothing in moderation. If nothing, you like something, yeah, that's I like do that it. Too. Like, yeah. I'm not I'm not a guy who like I haven't had a drink in I'm I'm I've been sober for the past five months and that's so easy for me to do. Right. But like, yeah, I know that that night when I finally allow myself to celebrate, I'm ha I'm not having three beers. I'm having 20. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I know I'm, me. Yes, I don't do anything like yeah. Fit 40 to 60 percent. Exactly. I and do so, everything 5,000 percent, which but, is. Yeah. But I am a person that's able to recognize, hey, whoa, this ain't a good thing. Don't do it. So, like, I stopped doing pills. And unfortunately, I've got buddies who do suffer and have that disease and, and have not. It's been it's been rough. I don't so know why the, I even got into that. <laughs> no, but it's it's interesting because, you know, for me, it was pot. But, yeah. you know, everyone smoked pot and drank. And I hated drinking. Yeah. Um, that's changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but right. you know, the pot that I was smoking in high school is shit. It's Garbage. not even like one hit of this other pot is uh -huh. it, like four joints. Of, oh yeah, you know, or nickel bag as we used to call it. But mm -hmm. um, so do you think the prevalence of pills is is more or that you know because we hear we all hear about it. Most kids up here, if they're going to OD, it's on coke, yeah, laced with fentanyl yeah. or heroin. You know, it's the fentanyl thing. Do you think that the pill? And I haven't watched the the doc the Sackler documentary yet, yeah. but I know I haven't either because I'm I just know how mad it's going to make me, right? Hard, you know. But do you think that that's more prevalent down there, down in the I south, mean, or more poor communities? Or I don't know how it is now, but I do know that like you know it's not like this is my opinion. Like it did start like they started their trials in Kentucky in the coal right. mines, and if you look and you chart it and you look at like the first cases of OD and everything, like it absolutely spread like a virus from that center point in Kentucky outward. And so, like, yeah, now it is widespread, but just like anything, I'd say that the thing where a thing started is it still has to be more prevalent. And like, right. yeah, of course, poor communities, just because like the way that these pills were set up was basically like, hey, guys, um, your back hurts and you can't work. Well, since we don't live in a socialist country that's just going right. to help you out, what we're going to do instead is give you a magical pill that will help you continue to work. Well, like, that's a very, uh, that's a poor, uh, exclusive, like, Look like they, they like that appeals to them big time. You know what I mean? 
Like they're like, yes, yeah. I have to work or my family. So if I, if I have to take this, that's whatever. Right, I'm not convinced. If this like, is going to help me keep my job, yeah, make more I mean, money, feed my family. Yeah. Right. And so, and it's predatory and like, it, right. it's horrible. And like, that's why like, I just have a cute, like, don't get me wrong. There's some people, it is possible to be a drug addict and also a bag of shit. You can be that. But like, right. I've, I've always like, when I hear certain people, they're like, oh yeah, he's a scumbag junkie. I've always been like, man, you don't know that guy. Like, right, right. Like, like he, he may be a junkie, but he might not be a scumbag. And like, you don't know how he got there. And like, it's also very or possible. Or why he, yeah. Why, why he got, he got there. Got like, there. there's yeah. a lot of people right now who look like scumbag junkie heroin addicts where I'm from. But the reality is, is that they started out by taking a pill that was given to them by a doctor right. and they got addicted to it and then they couldn't get that anymore. And then they started on heroin. Like that's the, that's a reality. Right. That some that so I can't just look at everybody like that. And again, my dad always taught me to give money to homeless people when I seen them just because like they might not be having to get so I can't do that. But like, yeah, I think that like all of that stuff, like, you know, no matter poor people get the fucking shit into that shit, you know, oh, like, yeah. like they're like they're, they're like, oh, we're not allowed to try things out on humans. That's they don't consider poor people humans. So they're right. trials. Right. So sorry for getting you, up on that. So no, I love it. I, like, it's fascinating to me. Um. So you're in second grade and you tell your teacher, I'm going to be a comedian. Yeah, Miss Staub. And one of the greatest days of my life was I, I actually dedicated uh, the first book I wrote to Miss Staub. And I was able to like go to her house and give it to her and sign it. And like we had a really good cry. Did she it was, love it? Oh, my God. She loved it because she signed my second grade yearbook. You know, Corey can't wait to see you on Saturday Night Live one day. So, I mean, you oh. know, I, I, and uh, and I, that year she encouraged me to uh uh, join to enter the young authors contest in Walker County, which by the way, largest County in the state of Georgia. And I won. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Woo! Um, so she was really, she was one of those like, wait, I need to know what did your, what was your story about? You know, I don't remember all of oh it. My it, was, God. it was, it was sci-fi. And unfortunately my mom, and we've talked about this so much, like she, she sometimes randomly will have a couple drinks and, and apologize again for this. Like she'll just have right. a couple martinis and go, I'm so sorry. I threw your story away. I didn't mean it. Um, There's gotta be somewhere. No, no. Like, I mean, this is long before the internet and I illustrated oh, it too. Shit. I'm going to tell her. <laughs> I illustrated, <laughs> no, please. I illustrated it too. And I was not a good artist, but like, I know that it was about aliens and such. I was a big star Wars kid and it was sci-fi. Right. Uh, and honestly, it probably wasn't even a little bit good. I was just like one of the only kids in Walker County who tried and therefore I won, but who right, cares? Right, right. You know what I mean? So you go through, you know, grade school, um, everything's normal. And then you decide at 16. Mm -hmm that you're just going to go to an open mic night. Like, how did that happen? Um, well, it's been a thing that I'd wanted to do forever. And I didn't really know the machinations or how to get into it at all. Like no clue. And then I was 15 years old, me and my buddy snuck into the comedy catch in Chattanooga and saw my childhood hero, who was Tim Wilson, rest in peace. One of the mm -hmm. best comedians of all time. Um, and I'd only ever heard him on CDs and watched him make my dad laugh. And we right. snuck, we snuck into the club and it's the first time I ever saw live comedy. And it was like the first time I was ever like, oh shit, like I ain't that good. Like, you, cause you know, when you're young, you're like, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to start doing this. And then I'm going to be like Adam Sandler oh, on Saturday Night Live. Yes, 18. Yes, yes. Like, like I like why, and that's, I didn't go to college. Cause I was like, why would I need to do that? Yeah. I'm about to be famous. But then I see Tim sort of get humbled by watching that. And I'm like, but I got to do this 
I got to get on stage somehow. And I didn't know what was going on. I was writing, this is about to be an old sentence. I was writing a blog on MySpace, and oh my this, guy, <laughs> this guy had read some of my blogs and he messaged me and he was like, Hey man, I run a comedy show at the Amigos Mexican restaurant on Hicks and Pike. Would you like to come do like host our comedy night? I've never done stand up in my life. And I was like, Oh, I mean, dude, I really want to get into that. But like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have any jokes. Like I haven't written anything. Right, yet. I didn't right. know that like you have to just start doing it. And, uh, he goes, well, dude, your, your blog is super funny. Just take some of this stuff and like, just say it out loud. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I was super nervous. And he goes, I'll give you a hundred dollars. I was like, I'm fucking, okay. Percocets are only three. So I'm in. And, uh, you know, and so and, how old were you? I was 16. 16. So like, and, and this is the six, first one. This is the first one. And yeah. And it took me like seven years to get paid again for the record. I was like, yeah, yeah hundred bucks. And, and at that time too, like gas was 80 cents. So that's how much a hundred dollars was, you right. know? I, yeah. Like, and not that a hundred dollars isn't a lot of money now, but you get what I'm saying. So I went and I did it. And then while there, the guy that was headlining, uh, was this dude who ran the open mics at the local comedy club. And I, and it just like the first type of networking I meet him and I go. And then I was just one of those cats who, and this is like, you know, this is the Bush administration. I was one of them cats that like, I was clawing at the comedy club door every single day that it was open. Uh, I was there then, you know, after going to all the open mics, finally, they let me do guest spots. And then I became the house MC and I was doing, you know, every show I was doing the seven shows in the main room, the two open mics running my own show out there. I'm doing like 10 shows a week in one room and nobody, and I didn't realize like, Oh, you're the only one do it. Now I look back. I'm right. like, shit, you were the only one doing that. But like, I just had, like, I, I was such, and always have been like such a singular focused dude. Like it's, with with that, you know, so yeah, that once, once I yeah. saw that at 16, I'm like, fucking, you know, this is it now, 18, 17 years later, I'm just like, God damn, you should have went to college, boy. But, you know, whatever. So you're 16 and like, what the fuck are you talking about? At My dick. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. that was that was about it. Like my dick. And like, uh, I really wish I could have remembered. I've got I have the set. That is, it wasn't my first time ever doing stand-up, but it was my first time ever at that room that I'm just talking about. So it would have been like maybe eight months later. And I've got that tape. And I and every now and then I think I, I'm going to watch it just to see. And right. I cannot, I cannot. I can't, I can't do it either. I it's can't so... bring myself. And, I, and, and I, I, every now and then I just look at the thumbnail of it because I had long hair. I was tan. I had pretty straight teeth. And I was, I was gorgeous. <laughs> I was six. I look at that and I just start feeling bad for a second, but I can't bring myself to right, watch right, it. To I had a, one of my first jokes. I mean, I'm 16. One of my first jokes was a, about a fun size candy bar. And it was like that. Oh, you call that fun size. I wish my girlfriend thought that. Blah, blah. Just, oh. fucking stupid. just five <laughs> minutes of dick shit. Just, just such, just such stupid right. shit. Uh, um, and that, that was what I kind of found out. Like it, I really didn't start. I mean, by the time I was, I think 24, something clicked. And I, all of a sudden I had something to talk about. And for eight years, the first eight years of my stand-up career, I had nothing to talk about, but I always look back on it and go, but you still got eight years of stage time. Which well, made stage my time. There my is sta something. Yeah, yeah, you can't, you By can't. By the time I right. figured out what I wanted to say, my stage presence was amazing. Like I, like when I was 21, it wasn't talking about anything, but God damn it, I looked like I knew what right, I was right, doing. Right, right, So by the time I so had you could be a politician. Out, yeah, oh, big time. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I definitely could. If I had no shame whatsoever, right. I could be a politician and a preacher 
and I would, I could, I'd own the whole town. Right. Yeah. So you were lying about your age. Um, yeah. Did your fam to get into the clubs? Mm -hmm. Did your family know you were doing this? Uh, yeah, yeah. They like I don't know that they knew that I was like legit sneaking in, but like I my I would ha I had my grandmother would drive me. Uh, she was a degenerate, and so she would drive me and get drunk. And like I didn't really ever have to lie. I just I just would walk in with her, and they never questioned it because she right, was an right. older lady. And then I would just just go in there and. Uh, and then because I was with her, I also, I would, you know, drink and stuff because they would just bring her buckets and right. like they didn't question that I wasn't, uh, but oh, yeah, and I, yeah, it ended up getting kicked out one time, uh, and like banned from the comedy club because I wasn't aware that this is how stupid I was. I was on stage talking about how expensive the drinks were. Oh, that's at the club. smart. That's yeah, no, smart. I know. What a fucking moron. So they kicked me out, tell me I can't do stand up there anymore. And I like, I've cried. You know, I didn't know what to do. It's like, well, my career's over. What a stupid thing to think. Uh, but the the dude who was running that open mic, he didn't own the club. He just ran that room and he's like, hey, man, look, here's what you do. Did you ever watch the gong show? And I was like, oh, God. I was like, yeah, when I was a kid with my yeah. granny. And he goes, look, you, you're not allowed to be back here, but the unknown comic can be here. They won't know. Just put a bag over your head. Oh, I, my I was, God. I'm desperate enough to be like, this is what I have to do. So oh, I go my to, God. I go to the club one night. I've got a bag over my head, holes in it. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody's questioning it. This is, by the way, when you can still smoke indoors. Right. Um, I get super, super drunk because I'm so nervous. I go on stage. I'm so drunk I have to sit down. And I'm trying to light a cigarette through the bag, and I caught the bag on fire. No way. And as I'm running out, trying to like pat it out, I run off stage. The bartender, which was the owner's mom, recognizes me, comes, grabs me in the bathroom, grabs me by the ear, pulls me to the owner, has told him, this is that son of a bitch I said could never come back here again. She explains the whole situation. The owner just starts dying laughing. He's like, you, you if listen. If, if he, you want to, if you want to do stand up so bad that you went through all that, you're forgiven. You're fine. And I, and me and him have had a father son relationship ever oh since. Oh my god, know? that's fucking great. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She didn't pour water in your face. What the no, fuck? No, fuck she her. was more of a stab you and throw you in a hole type gal. She's a fucking cunt. <laughs> I wouldn't okay. say that to her, but I'll let you. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You graduate high school. By the hair of my chinny chin chin. But yet you're brilliant, which is <laughs> what is very. No. Yes, we comics are smart. And yet, <laughs> I, I mean, I have terrible ADD, but we don't learn. A lot of times we don't learn the same way other people learn. We don't yeah. think the way other people think. We think and joke. And I mean, it's. You know, people don't seem to understand, like, when something happens, like, even a huge tragedy, we can acknowledge 
the horror, but we also think, where's the fucking joke? That's oh, all we ever fucking think. It's 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 probably my knee jerk. It's the knee jerk right. reaction. I'm actually trying to work on that now, which goes against everything that I, be- I believe. No, is you can't. No, it, you it, no I, I barely like my, my uncle, for instance, uh, the first joke I wrote for, you know, when the pandemic happened, we were doing Zoom shows. We had to. And the first joke I wrote for it, my uncle had just uh, killed himself. And uh, my literal, <laughs> I know, I know. My literal first thought was, well, at least he died doing what he loves, sitting in his chair, holding a gun. And uh, and and I did that joke. And like, of course, my comedian friends thought it was great. And like, right. but, the, but the artist was just like, Jesus oh, yeah, Christ, man. it's all about them. It's all. Yeah, they about were just them. like, I can't believe you. That's a little rough making a suicide. I was like, well, it's about my uncle, for God's sake. Yeah, Can I, I own it, bitch. Yeah. Here's the thing. That's why. You know, even like you're going to get into this with Amber, your wife, like Mm -hmm. shit that you can't say to her. Yeah. That you have to say to, you know. Oh, yeah. And I feel like young people who are who are the really the ones who are going to comedy clubs now because Uh, not in my shows, but that's all. That's good. I I like the older audience (laughs) because they're fucking smart. But the young people are so literal. Everything you say, Uh it's like, no, it's called nuance. You fucking asshole. Right. Right. Like I go, I like, I have to go out of my way sometimes. It's, it's getting worse. I feel like I have to go out of my way sometimes to when I'm setting up a bit to go. Now, please. I need everyone to understand that the next thing that is about to come out of my mouth is me quoting the person that I was having a conversation with. Right. These are not my thoughts. Right. You know, because this is a verbatim. Yeah. People will like, you know, come in and out of like drunken consciousness or they weren't paying attention. They'll just hear me say a thing. And then after the show, they'll be like, I can't believe that you believe this. And I'm like, what do you mean? They go, well, you said that on stage. I go, no, I said my uncle said that. Like that. I, did, I didn't. I fucking that. hate everyone. God You're damn. making me hate yeah. everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For sure. So while you were doing stand up, you had many odd jobs. I'm going to just name a few. A uh, house painter. Mm-hmm. You worked in retail. You sold motorcycles. <laughs> you collected urine samples. Yeah. Is this true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You fl- delivered flowers. You were a fucking hotel maid. Yeah, at Yellowstone National Park. Oh, in the uh, in the Eisenhower Presidential uh, room. That was my first room that I had to hit every day. Wait. Clean in the so sheets. wait wait. You would go in. Did you have a uniform? Uh, we had, yeah, we had polos and, uh, the kind of pair of khaki. It was red. Yeah. It was maroon. I'm pretty sure. And it was, a. I ended up quitting that job as the first time that, cause that, that's, ne- I, I don't do that. Like, that's not a thing that I, I was very much raised not to do that. Uh, like uh, even then it was like, even if your boss is an asshole, you don't quit, which now I do not subscribe to that. Fuck right. if your boss is an asshole, fuck them quit. But like, right. I was not a quitter, but I had a big argument with the, person I was working with because it's the first time I found out that they don't always clean the uh the quilt portion of the oh yeah yeah so like I was in charge of of like cleaning the beds and stuff and so like I would I would take all that stuff to the laundry and they were just like whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing what are you doing and I was like I'm I'm taking the stuff off the bed and I'm cleaning it they go no the the top cover you don't you don't clean that and I was like why they go yeah we just it takes too much time and blah 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 I go no you have to and they go that that part's not really that dirty and to which I said, I go, if, if you ever fucked at a hotel, because you don't get under the covers. You know what I mean? Like, you don't, no <laughs> one touched themselves in to get their oh dick Oh, my sucked. God. Like, Can I tell you something? What, being on the road in, like, the 80s and 90s, like, the first, when they had those stupid fucking quilts, the first thing I did when I got 
in the room was take that fucking thing off and throw it in the corner yeah. and never it, look at it again. And, and, and I'm here to tell you that at least in my anecdotal experience, that is the solid move to do. And then I got really mad that that was the way they were doing things. And so I was not a hotel maid for a long time, but I did, but I was one enough uh, long enough to have a uh, good respect for them. You know, now did, did people leave you tips? I always leave a tip for the hotel maid. Yeah. Yeah. I would. From time to time, every now and then, especially in the presidential suite itself. But again, I wasn't there long enough to have like a good straw polo. Okay, but every what now do and you? Then, what do you get? We were in. We were told not to take them, though. By the way. Oh fuck them! Yeah, because <laughs> you know um, they went in and grabbed it. Yeah. What do you? What do you leave for, uh, per night for a hotel? I mean, I'm usually only in there like one, you know, one night, one see. I've I've left. You know, ten bucks. I guess I don't know. Is that bad? No, I leave five I, a night. Is that you bad? Gotta, you you got to No, I don't think so. Because I don't even know. Like I, I've always been like, am I supposed to do that? Because I'm a I'm an over tipper in a lot of situations. Because yeah, I same. get scared. Because I get scared that I don't know. Like I'm like, am I supposed to tip this? Am I supposed to? Ah, fuck you. Just take all my goddamn money. Right. But like uh, now, you know, they're not even really coming in anymore. And often, yeah, though, that's right. For the most part. Uh, I don't, I clean, I, you, I often clean my own room. I'm one of them time. I clean my room yeah. every day, especially now they're not coming in, but like, it's like a very big do not disturb because I used to drink a lot. And so like, I didn't want them coming in. And then by the time I was waking up, they weren't going to come in and right. I would just I tidy know. up that myself. Pisses me off. So For like, comics who sleep late. And then by the yeah. time you get up, after so, you do fucking radio and then you take yeah. a nap, then the, so yeah. usually it was just like, if the night before we had gotten really hammered and maybe recorded our podcast in there and I didn't have time to get it up, I would just throw some money. But, but for the most part, it's like they weren't really coming in there anyways. But I've always been like, do you do you do you tip them still? Is that a thing? And is this guy? And I don't fucking know. So like I'm just I tr- I'm, I try to do it like every time I get it cleaned, I leave yeah. something because you don't know. Like if you leave it at the end of the week. Like, you know, 30 who bucks knows or who whatever. It is. You don't know who the fuck gets it. Oh, no. And that's why at comedy clubs, I'm really like, really like a stickler for like, whoever our waitress in the green room is the first night. I'm like, what's your schedule? Are you going to be here tomorrow night? I do that too. The, I do that too. Are you going to be here the whole weekend? Because yeah. I always tell them, I go, if you're going to be here this whole weekend, I'm just going to take care of you big time on Sunday. But if you're not, you just let me know. And then this is, your, yeah, you know, I do this that is too. yours. And I'm a huge, because it's happened before where they weren't. And I like, I will straight up, you know, put money in an envelope and give it to the owner and be like, you give this to Whitney and it fucking better go to Whitney because right. she was awesome. And I'm like, then I'm trying to find Whitney on Instagram and Facebook I to know, make sure FYI, that she got it. Because yeah, the last thing I want is for anyone out there to be like, yeah, I mean, he was yeah. funny, but he didn't fucking tip me and I he yeah. drank all goddamn weekend. Yeah, I know. I hear you. You were a hay baler. Yeah, well, that's in my, that just sounds good about all of us were. Everyone in my hometown, all my buddies, where all the farms around here that did hail hay every summer, you spend so much time throwing hay bales into the back of tractors, absolutely for free for these dudes that have farms. And then afterwards, they would let you drink all the beer that you wanted from their cooler, and they would buy you a barbecue sandwich. And it was the greatest deal in the world. Oh, for us. that's great! We, yeah, we would all we were just like you know kids, and I say kids. I mean, we we're teenagers and and right. right at, at college, and, and like it was great because we'd be like. Oh yeah, you know my 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 uh, brother-in-law Lloyd married my sister. His dad, you know, Mister Askey, we'd go down there, we'd bail hay all day. We'd you know we'd smoke a little weed, we'd have a good time. Uh, this is us boys. I'm not putting that on Mister Askey. He wasn't right. there doing any bad things. Um, uh, and so we would we would do we would do all that, and then uh, fellowship, and then we get barbecue sandwich, and we get to get drunk. So uh, so it wasn't like I clocked in every day at big hay. 
you know, right. but we, yeah, but we did. That was a big part of our culture is like that. I remember when I truly felt like I'd made it, it was that I didn't need to bail hay anymore with the, for them. I was right. like, yeah, I can afford my own beer and barbecue sandwich. Right. I don't need you. Um, what about your family's bakery? That was a pipe dream, kind of of my mom's a thing that she thought about when she was a kid, like, oh, maybe I'd want to do this, you know, and then my dad was doing so well that she decided when my mom. So I told you my mom was a nurse. Um, My mom had me and she was a nurse for my, you know, her pregnancy with me. And then when I was two and then when she had my sister Kirby, my dad was like, do he had he was like had really good clients and he was doing well. And he told her, he said, listen. I'm not telling you what to do with your life, but if you don't want to work, you do not have to. And I would love it if you would just stay home and take care of the kids. And my mom was like, that'd be awesome. I'd love to do that right, shit. Right. So, and, and, you know, cause kudos to her. Like she's the reason that dad was even there in the, in the beginning. Like she, she, she was like, I don't care that you're not making any money. I'll support us on my nursing salary. It's like, she deserved it. Right. Good, good for her, you know? And so she, she hadn't worked really my whole life. You know, she was, and now uh, when I say she didn't work, I mean, she didn't have a job. I mean, the woman oh, was in a, um, the fucking yeah. being a mother is so it, fucking hard. And, and it's not even, I mean, it's not even just that too, but like, you know, she kept the house up. She was constantly right. doing this, that, and that. the woman was in the yard every day. And I, again, right. I know that those are, that's just hobby stuff, but the woman wasn't sitting on her couch drinking a right. martini. Right. Um, and, and then she, we would get a little older and she's like, maybe I'd like to do this. And like comedy wasn't necessarily going great for me at this point. I was like, how 20, old are you? I think I'm 26 at this yeah. point. And, uh, and, and you got, and, and I really thought by, oh my, by then, dude, I was going to be oh, in please. movies. Like, Can I it, tell you something? It can't eat. Add a decade every time you think. I, mean, I know. I think the same shit now that I thought at 26. I know. It never and, stops. Uh, it, it never, never ends. Stops. And uh, and uh, and so she kind of pitched this thing about what if we and my sister had recently started just as a hobby making cupcakes and cakes. And I got to tell you, like everyone, she's the best. It's, it's unbelievable. Like right. there's there's things that I don't even like that she makes. And it's what are you doing here? So they were like, my mom was like, I, I would like to do this. And Kirby was like, I'd love to do this. Or we can't do it without you. And in my brain, I'm like, maybe this is an out. Maybe I maybe I'd be happier working with my family and I'll just, I'll do stand up in town, you know, but like. It's just getting depressing going out on these weekends. And I, I don't know. So I do it. And I'm having a good time. I enjoyed, but I was, you know, I baked the quiche. I made the soup. Yeah, I'm, you were I'm the a, quiche guy. I was the quiche man. What was the, it, What was the name of it? Wasn't a Laura Luz? It was Laura Luz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Fuck it. I worked on you that. You don't know how hard I worked on figuring yeah. finding the name of that fucking bakery. You Laura got Luz. it. You got it, Laura Luz. And so the only reason that the bakery even stopped existing was because uh, there I was living with this girl at the time who was just my friend. All right. She was my sister's best friend. So I've known her since I was in fifth grade and she was in third grade. She was just living with me. We were just friends. And uh, one day as it happens, I just it just clicked. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm in love with her. You know, I, I'm in love with the, I'm in love with her. And we were just friends. And I tell her that. And she was like, I'm not saying that I don't kind of have feelings for you, but like, I just got out of college and I'm not ready for that right now. And I just, I just know that with a guy like you, if I start dating you, this is it for me. Like we're going to get married and I'm just like, and I'm, I'm heartbroken. I'm so devastated. I don't know what to do. So not only could I not face anybody in my town, I, I had to leave the state and I moved to New right. York. And I told right. my mom, I was like, I was like, mom, I'm moving to New York. I'm going to do, I'm going to, you know, do comedy up there and, and see if that kind of sparks anything. And uh, so, you know, obviously the girl moved out of my house. I moved out, I moved to New York. Um, now, you weren't staying in the same room. 
that no, house? we weren't staying yeah, the same okay, room. We okay, weren't okay. staying the same room. But she, you know, so she breaks my heart. I moved to New York. Um, a couple months later, uh, she calls me and just and tells me, "Hey, you know, it's been been a long time since I've seen you because we were like best friends, like legitimately right, like best right, friends." Right. And she's like, "It's been a long time since I've seen you. Like, what if I came up to New York and visited you? I want to see what your life's like now." And I was like, "Okay." She comes up to New York, and I remember telling all my buddies, "I was like." I'm gonna be. They're like, dude, you're gonna, you're gonna relapse, man. You're gonna want to go back. Yeah. You're gonna want to try to. And I go, no, I'm over her, dude. I'm over her. You're you fucking kidding me? I'm married to the game, dude. I, you know, I don't. Right. I'm married to the game. So I was like, no, no, no. So she comes up. We hang out. I stay strong. I'm not showing any feelings. Yada yada. We had a fun week together. It was great. Uh, then, Did you fuck? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Wow. Not at all. And so she ends up going back. And a couple months later, I realized like my time in New York has come to an end. I don't. I don't. I'm just sitting for me right now. I move home, start dating this other girl. And then that girl who was my roommate who came to see me in New York called me one night to come see her new house, her new place. And I get over there and she'd been drinking a little bit. And she goes, listen, I've been wanting to tell you something. I was like, what? She goes, when I moved to New York, when I came to see you in New York, I realized that I'd been in love with you this whole time and you need to break up with the girl you're with and get with me. And I said, okay. And that's my wife. So. (laughs) (laughs) Amber, woo! so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the one and only Corey Forrester, who is my soulmate I never knew I had. Uh, Kill Me Now is uh, produced by Laura Vogel. It is edited by Colin Schmeling and would not be possible without the help, assistance, guidance, and love of Brittany Joe Sowards. If you like the podcast, and even if you don't like the podcast, then, and if you're listening now, you must like it. So please subscribe and leave a review. Five stars, please. That way other people find it, and then I can keep the podcast going. You know what I'm saying, baby? As I mentioned before, I will be in Carmel, Indiana on January. I was going to say July, which I wish it was. Uh, January at Feinstein's at the Carmichael Hotel in Carmel, Indiana. So get your ass there. It's going to be a great show, and it's a small, wonderful room. So I'm telling you, it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, follow me on Tweetar at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D. On Instagram at Judy Gold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm a Jewish. TikTok at Judy Gold. Who cares? Just follow me. Just love me. I just need love. That's all I need. And I'm wishing you all... I know this COVID shit, I can't take anymore. I mean, I know you can't take anymore, but can we just talk about me now? Because I never talk about myself. Just be safe, get boosted, get reboosted, get boosted again, get a booster seat, boost your ass up on a fucking booster thing that you use at, you know, sporting events. Just do a boost, okay? Uh, wear a mask, be safe. Oh my God, when is this gonna fucking be over? I love you all. Thank you so much for listening to Kill Me Now. And if you're still listening, you're my favorite person in the entire world. Okay? Beyond.com. Tune in next week for part two of Corey Forrester, who I fucking love. Anyway, it's a new year. (laughs) That's me being fake happy. It's got to get better, right? And as we always say, so long.